Well, as I said, it's Christmas time again. Another year is drawing to an end. We'll be uh, thinking about, if you haven't already, I'm sure you have been thinking about it, what happens on Christmas Day, on Boxing Day, what do you do, what's the normal routine that you're doing, and uh, what have you done last year, what, how do you fix it? Does every Christmas kind of become the same uh, year in, year out? Have you got a routine? Do you like the routine? Is it uh, something you look forward to? Is it something you look forward to being over? Uh, I'm talking about the events, really, not the purpose of Christmas, not the, not the celebration of the coming of the Messiah. Uh, that really is the topic of today and the next couple of weeks. As we prepare for Christmas, we have our functional side of getting ready for Christmas, but we are, as Christians, we're remembering, aren't we, that this is the time that God broke into our planet, uh, not merely in the, the guise of prophets and men who carried the word of the Lord with them, and not even as the Elijah who was promised to come in the book of Malachi, but that the Lord himself, uh, Christ, our King, has walked on this planet. And that is something we believe historically happened, and we, we, under, we, we trust in the words of the disciples who passed down to us what they saw, what they touched, what they observed, and they had walked with the King of the universe. And so another Christmas has come round, and we'll get ready for the for our Christmas festivities and uh, carols in the car park or whatever happens in your house and in our church. But does it sometimes feel a bit like Groundhog Day? Uh, who remembers the movie Groundhog Day? Yes, I think as a, uh, probably I'll, we'll see at 7pm who remembers the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, but it's, um, it's a beautiful little... Uh, the movie has introduced into our culture that word Groundhog Day. And you go, yes, I know. Uh, you, you do... Your whole day, earnestly, you try one way and then the next day you wake up and you have to do the whole day over again and it repeats and repeats, earnest living, but does our faithfulness actually get us anywhere? And so as we go through a couple of weeks leading into Christmas, we're going to be looking at what the angel said, what, did the, what the angel said to a few people. So the focus won't be on the entire passage, but really a, zoning in on what the message of the angels were to the people they were speaking to. And I think today's message is really about breaking into Groundhog Day and waking Zechariah up and saying, actually, what you've been doing faithfully, you actually really need to believe it, that God is able to come and speak into this world and prepare us, prepare our hearts for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, this is the, the story of, uh, of Zechariah and his faithfulness. Let me just read to you uh, verses 5 to 10 and then draw out a few things from that, those uh, six verses. Verse 5, we're introduced to this man, Zechariah. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense and when the time for the burning of incense came all the assembled worshippers were praying outside I love that when you get into the narrative parts of the Bible, the Gospels are, are all narrative, we, we get introduced to a, to a new scene, a new character, and, we, and a picture is, is painted, and then a problem emerges. You know, the picture painted is of a faithful man, 
a faithful priest in Israel, but he was under a foreign king. Israel has been the chosen people of God since Abraham, and now and they've been through a lot of history, being called out of Egypt, being brought into Jerusalem, conquering the land. The king David was put on the throne. You know your Bibles. The the history of Israel is is fought with with challenges. But having a king of their own on the throne was a very key part of Israel's um, identity. In this time of Zechariah, the faithful servant of God, this was a time when they had a king in Israel, but he was a foreign king. He's a a Roman. Uh, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there's a foreign king. The Israelites weren't feeling like winners at the time, underdogs. In a society that was going one way, Israel was clinging to a, a historic past and wondering, is that actually worth clinging to? Is that how you feel sometimes as a Christian? Uh, clinging to what you believe is faithful and true and right when the world around you is heading in a different direction? This is uh, Zechariah's world. He was one of many priests. He wasn't like the, the high priest. He wasn't uh, identified or singled out. In, in a re- he singled out in Luke's gospel for a very good reason, which is the conclusion to his story. But in Zechariah's day, he was one of many priests. It's mentioned here that he's a, he belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. You can go back to the Old Testament and just understand that, uh, that the priesthood had a, a hierarchy, a big uh, family chain, and they were all numbered. And Abijah was like eighth in the line of 12 or more. And so that just doesn't mean that he was not at the top or the bottom. He was just a priest. He's just an average uh, Israelite serving in his role as priest in Israel, uh, one of many priests. And he was chosen that day, not because of anything special in his line, but because they'd rolled the dice uh, and he was the, he, he got the, I'll call it the, the long straw, because the short straw sounds like a negative thing, but he got the long straw. It was his time to go into the temple. Uh, and so Zechariah, uh, a nobody with a foreign king, one of many priests, chosen at the roll of the dice, he is old, which doesn't, isn't his fault, um, but it says that he's, he's had a life behind him. And in that life, he has uh, found a wife whose name is Elizabeth, and she also is faithful. She's described quite um, positively in this story. And, but the problem is they've been childless. Um, not, a, not a totally alien way of life for people to be childless, but in their context, in their minds, this seemed to be a bit of a disgrace, that they couldn't bear children. At the end of our story in verse 25, it says, Elizabeth praises God that the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. So they were, they were grieving. They were a grieving couple, mourning a long life, serving faithfully to God, they were praying for a child. We, we will find out in a minute that God is about to answer their prayers. And so they're faithfully, day in, day out, earnestly serving the Lord, trusting that God will one day deliver his people, living, under, living faithfully under a reign of a foreign king. It seems a bit weak and helpless, but they, but they prayed. They were prayers. It's a sign of faith. And Zechariah seems to be a bit of a symbol for all of Israel, that this is a man of Israel, a a little man, but a a little light 
in what could be a, a country that is moving away from God. Israel's history has been a history of are we, uh, do we trust God or do we trust other nations and be like all the other nations? Well, we're in a, they're in a position where they have a ruler from the other nations, but Zechariah represents that, that small section of Israel who are faithfully going in day in, day out serving. But does it feel like Groundhog Day? Does it feel like that he's getting anywhere? Is God really listening? The very last book of the Old Testament, as Karen pointed out, that last chapter even ends in our English translations, it ends with the word destruction. It's not a very high point, is it, at the end of the Old Testament? What is God doing? Where has he gone? What's happening? Well, then we get to the, the answer to the story. The problem is that he's childless. But the answer is that God breaks in and, and interrupts Zechariah's uh, life. There's a bit of anticipation because Zechariah, uh, in the condition that he and his wife are in, uh, one day he is able to go in to the temple area to burn incense, what was customary their job. And outside, there's people worshiping and praying. So there's this s- uh, symbol of of faithfulness in Israel. But then in verse 11, we read that God breaks into Zechariah's life, and this is what we read in verse 11. Then the, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah represented the people uh, who needed to be prepared for the Lord And Zechariah was getting an answer to his prayers. The first thing, the first is that you're going to have a son, Zechariah. Isn't that great that God bursts into Zechariah's life and doesn't say, hey, Jesus is coming. He says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. You are going to have a son. I find that incredibly encouraging to know that when I pray to God and I pray for Jesus' return, I pray for our country, I pray for the, the, the world, I pray for peace, I pray for all these things that I know will be solved in eternity. But I also pray for the, the little things in my life and I pray for God to help me here, help me there, help me understand what's going wrong in different areas. And I find it wonderfully encouraging that as God is solving for Israel a big picture thing that's bigger than Zechariah, at the same time he's solving a little issue for, for Zechariah and his wife. That's not to say that when you pray, God gives you everything you ask for. We know how prayer works. God gives us the things that we, that we need and what is right for us and good for us. God works all things for the good of those who love him. And those good things can actually feel very hard sometimes. The hardship for Zechariah and his wife was that they were without children for a long, long, long time. But it's no surprise that in the Bible, when you hear a story that begins with an old couple that were childless, you know that something amazing is going to happen in this story. Well, what happens is that God says to God's, God says through an angel speaking to Zechariah that you will have a son. That's the first good news. But it gets better. 
he says that your son, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will be working in your, your son even before he comes out of the womb. And that's an incredible miracle. And I think that in the story, this, this points us to the grace of God at work in all things. That God doesn't choose uh, people in the world and go, oh, that person's amazing. Let me use that amazing person to do my work. God doesn't look, he's not like a HR department that looks around for the good people and then went, okay, there's a, there's a good person, there's a good person, there's a great person, there's a person with lots of talent. I'll use those people for the kingdom. Here is John, who hasn't even been born yet, that God says, I'm going to use that child. He's going to have the Holy Spirit even before he, he exits the womb. This is, a, this is the way that God works. It's through grace, not works. He will use John's mouth. He will use John's crazy costume of a camel hair. He'll use all of his ways and personality, but he'll, he has decided before John even entered the world that John will be used mightily for God. He's described as great in God's sight because God is going to use him greatly. He's going to be the one of all the prophets in the history of Israel. He is going to be the prophet that actually touches the Messiah. All the prophets before him have said, this one, there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming. But John is going to be the one who stands up and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why John will be great. He has not just a message of something far in the future. He has a message of the, of the Messiah who's come in the flesh. The Spirit of God will use him greatly. The only, the only spirit in him, you know, he's told not to drink any fermented uh, wine. The only spirit in John in all of his life will be the Holy Spirit, which uh, on top of many other things will mean he'll never be, brand, he'll never be uh, um, charged of being a a drunken fool. No, his words are sober. His words are, are sharp, and his words will come from the, the mouthpiece of God, the voice of God. And thirdly, what he's doing is actually pointing to another. Israel will be prepared to receive their king. John is being sent to tell Israel, get ready, because you've been faithful. There's this Groundhog Day feeling that you're going through, but it's not going to be forever. You know, the end of the movie in Groundhog Day, he eventually wakes up and there's a brand new day. It's finally changed. Uh, something has, is different. And what's different in the story of Zechariah, in the story of Israel, in, the, in Luke's account, is that Jesus is coming. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming. And friends, as we get ready for Christmas, as we do every year, preparing our minds and our hearts getting ready for all those social expectations. I'm sure that you're doing things that you don't really want to do <laughs> because it's the way it's been done. But friends, the, what, what we're celebrating, what we're loving, is that God has not stayed far off and just waiting for us to tick over in this world, but he's broken in to give us the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Zechariah's response gives us a sense of the real faith of Israel. And I think it's a picture, it's a reminder for us to wake up as the faithful ones here in, in 2023, to also take, uh, take a lesson from Zechariah and his rebuke, uh, the, rebuke the rebuke to Je Zechariah. He says, dude, <laughs> he says, really? Uh, sorry, that was Gabriel's line, wasn't it? But Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my life my wife is well along in years. The logic of it is that this is too late, too little too late. We've been waiting for a long time and now, you've, now you're coming. What is happening? Zechariah, we can empathise with him. But 
his rebuke is righteous as well. Gabriel in verse 19 says, I am Gabriel. And this is not an incidental thing. Gabriel, the, the angel is named. It's very rare in the Bible that the messenger of God is named. But Gabriel has not appeared here for the first time on, on earth. We, we, we meet him in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, um, specifically verse 21, but the whole chapter is, is uh, insightful. And even earlier in chapter 8 of Daniel, but it's when Daniel, the great faithful man of God, who was living in exile, in, a, in being faithful to God in a, a country that's not his own. It seems to Daniel that they've been outcast by God, which is they literally have been. They've been put in the naughty corner for 70 years because of their unfaithfulness. But Daniel, the poster boy of, of faith and trust, is praying, and while he's praying, Gabriel enters and says, God is hearing your prayers, and he predicts what or he, he, he confirms what is going to happen down the track. Many years will go by, but Israel will return, and God says many years will go by, but the Ancient of Days, the, 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 um, the Anointed One will come. The special king who you're waiting for will come. And even in that prophecy, as Gabriel gives it to Daniel, even in that answer to prayer, the anointed one, who we know now is Jesus, is described as the one who would come. He's the king, the true king of Israel, but he will die. He will come and he will die. That's the plan for God of Israel, and that's the way that God chooses to redeem us through a king who is the king of kings, lord of lords, but he is the suffering servant who comes to die because we have a problem that needs solving. That's the problem of our sins. It's our faithfulness, like that's that faithfulness of Zechariah that really is lacking in faith. Our trust in the Lord that really wants God to do more for us than he's already done. But when he has sent Jesus into the world to save us, he has done a mighty, mighty act. And I think there's another insight in this passage that, Uh, I I find startling. Gabriel goes on in verse 19. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. You see, God works in appointed times, doesn't he? He doesn't work on our calendar. It's his, his plans and his timeline that he's fulfilling. But did you notice when Gabriel breaks forth and says, I am Gabriel, that's the first sign of rebuke, and he says, I stand in the presence of God, as does Zechariah. He's gone into the Holy of Holies. He's going to that special place that God had laid down way back in the, in the days of uh, Moses. As Moses said, there will come a place, you'll go into the promised land, and God will designate a place where he will dwell with his people. A special place, and that place was in the temple in Jerusalem. And there is Zechariah at that particular point in time. He is physically closer to God, if you could, if you could say it that way, than anybody else at that point. And he's asking, "How is this possible?" Well, there's only one person allowed in the room at that time, and it's Zechariah. But suddenly Gabriel's there. There's two people where there should be one. God has broken in, sent a messenger. And Gabriel says, I'm standing here in the presence of God right beside you. Now, it could mean, it could mean that not only is Gabriel standing there in the Holy of Holies with, with him, but that Gabriel kind of occupies two places at once, that he's in this mortal realm, but he's also standing beside the, the Eternal One, 
Uh, it could be that he's just in the Holy of Holies. But either way, heaven has broken in and, and the veil has been opened and revealed to us humans that what we see day in, day out is not the full story. But that when we pray to God as faithful believers, as we pray to him, we are praying to the living God. We're praying to the one who answers, answers prayer, who listens. We're praying to the one who has sent his son to the world to redeem us and to save us and who will send his son once again to call us home. We're praying to a living father. Gabriel says to Zechariah, are you serious? I've come from heaven to tell you this news and you want to question it. This is unusual behaviour for angels to break in and, and speak like this. But what God is preparing is for you to have a son and that son is going to be working for God even before he exits the womb and he is going to be preparing the hearts for Israel and Zechariah. You've just, you've just confirmed to God that Israel's heart needs to be prepared, that we couldn't just send Jesus straight in. We need a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Friends, we are... A little bit like Zechariah, um, as we've just come out of our series on growing a healthy church, we are the voice, the voice of God in this world. We are the angels of this world. The word angel just means messenger. So we have a message from God to this world that Christ, this Christmas, is a uh, you know we celebrate like every Christmas that God has entered the world to save us. Jesus is the King that God had promised. And he has taken Zechariah and Elizabeth from disgrace to grace. That they will be no longer the the parents who have no children, they'll be the parents who have children. Uh, No longer disgrace. That's Elizabeth's prayer of thanksgiving in verse 25. But God is taking Israel, the nation that seems disgraced. They have a foreign king, they're losers, they are the losers on planet Earth. But God is going to enter in and reveal to all that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So is Jesus your King? Is he your your Lord? Do you love that Jesus has come to save us from our sins? Do you anticipate Christ to return one day? Or are you thinking that you are faithfully serving that idea but secretly thinking it's not going to happen? But friends, it will happen. Either in our lifetime or in the near future, God will send Jesus again to wrap up Project Earth and bring in the new heavens and the new earth. And if it doesn't happen in our lifetime, he will take us home to be with him. And so there'll be this remarkable unveiling in the future that what we know in our lifetime, this day in, day out, earnestly living and faithfully trusting God with what we see in this eyes... Paul says in the scriptures that one day we will see what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, something that God has prepared for those who love him. The angel said to Zechariah, get ready. A day is coming when God's veiled kingdom will be the kingdom revealed. And so let's uh, enter Christmas. Um, Well, it would be wonderful if Jesus returned before the end of today. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Are we ready for that? Are you ready for him to break in any time? Uh, and while we wait, and if we will see our, our days out and we go to the grave, then we should do it anticipating that we will see him, that what we see today is only a shadow of the real future.
And we pray for our faithfulness as we head into Christmas. Our Lord and God, we thank you for these, um, these familiar stories of Christmas time. And we thank you, Lord, that you treated Zechariah with such mercy and grace. You gave him the answer to his prayers. But, Lord, you were faithful to Israel, that as you promised that Jesus would come, he came. We pray, Lord, that at this Christmas you would help us uh, as your faithful ones to celebrate Christmas with great joy, remembering that the good news has come, that, that sins have been paid for, that the kingdom of God is open to all who would come to Jesus and find life. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be excited for it and anticipating the day when your son will return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.